Friday, November 4th, 2016 here on the Patriots Beat Podcast with the Pats going into their bye week. We take a look at their season as a whole and we welcome in Mike Alonji and Mike Nice and the rest of the CLNS Patriots crew as we take a look at the Jamie Collins trade, Tom Brady's MVP chances, and much, much more on this episode of Patriots Beat. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Patriots Beat. It is episode number 147. You can go find our episodes on clnsradio.com. You can go find us on Twitter at clnsradio. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clnsradio. Fans, I hope everyone has had a great week so far. It has been a crazy week in Patriots news this week with the whole Jamie Collins trade. If you listen to our emergency pod, myself and Michael Longi kind of went over what we saw with the trade, why we thought it happened, and all that more. So go check out episode 146 that we released on Monday, a little bit of an emergency pod for you guys to start off the week. But we are back with our usual Friday programming. No game this Sunday, though, so no game that we get to pre Review, but let's just kind of review last week and what we're going to see post by with their schedule. Very excited for our first ever CLNS Patriots crew season wrap-up show uh, that we'll have them on later for most of the show, but I'll preview you guys a little bit now. You know, with this whole Jamie Collins trade, I think we, we need to wrap this up into one nice package. Ready? Why is nobody talking about how the Cleveland Browns made out like absolute bandits in this trade? They got, they, this is such a good trade for the Cleveland Browns. Who cares about the Patriots and why they traded him? Who cares about all these shenanigans? The Cleveland Browns made a hell of a good move and no one gives a crap. No one's like, hey, the Browns just traded a conditional third round pick for one of the best linebackers in the NFL who might re-sign with their team. Why is no one talking about the fact that the Browns just traded for a defensive cornerstone. Those those guys aren't exactly on the market every single day. So good job by Hugh Jackson and the rest of the Browns crew for being able to bring Jamie Collins in and use him to their advantage. I'm actually kind of excited to see what he's going to do this Sunday for that Cleveland Browns defense. But here we are going forward. No more Jamie Collins on the defense. But you know, let, let's let's take a second and let's look back at their game. From this past week, Pats took on the Buffalo Bills, defeated them 41 to 25. I kind of call it more 41 to 17 or 18 since they scored a garbage time touchdown. But nonetheless, Pats dropped 40 for the first time this season. Very impressive to see. Them on offense against what was supposed to be a pretty good defense with the Buffalo Bills, but obviously been a very disappointing side of the ball for them this year. You can't really complain again with putting, with only allowing about 17, 18 points besides that garbage time touchdown, but. You know, the, the critics come out again. Mike Lombardi bangs his drum that the, the Patriots defense is bad and they don't like the bend and don't break defenses. I agree. I don't think they're causing enough turnovers. I think that'll, that'll kind of, I think that'll change as the season goes on. I'm not incredibly hopeful. They haven't really done a great job at, you know, causing fumbles or 
picking the ball off. I think a lot of it has to do with you know the the, the lack of pass rush d- this year is definitely one of the bigger weaknesses. Not not a weakness that I foresaw. To be totally honest, I thought that they were going to have a pretty great pass rush this year with Chris Long being uh you know being healthy. I thought Jabal Sheard was going to have a big contract season. I thought that Trey Flowers was going to take the next big step. But so far, we haven't seen too much. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they've had little to none interior pressure this season. I think a lot of that has to do with Malcolm Brown and Alan Branch just playing so many snaps. With uh, Wesley, Wo- or not, uh, what's his name? Woodyard, Woodraw, what's his name? I forget what his last name is. Oh, Anthony Woodyard or something. Whatever their D-tackles name is, uh, he's been hurt. Woodrow Hamilton, there it is. Woodrow Hamilton has been hurt all year, or for most of the year. Uh, Vincent Valentine is just now getting back from a back injury. So Branch and Brown have had to play so many snaps. I think it's seriously affecting their efficiency on pass rushing, and I don't think the defensive ends are getting a lot of rotation either. So hopefully as Rob Ninkovich gets more and more into football shape, we'll see their proficiencies increase. But again, you know, the big question is who is the Patriots number two corner? We're still seeing problems. They don't really know. Logan Ryan hasn't been playing well at all this season. Uh, you know, Eric Rowe has been okay, not great. Cyrus Jones has been a healthy, uh, healthy scratch for the past two weeks, which isn't great. So as we get through the season, we'll definitely see more and more how this defense meshes together. Has it been a disappointment so far this year? I think it's hard to say no. I think they have been at least a decent disappointment for what I thought was going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL all around. Uh, Points-wise, they don't allow many points, but have they been imposing their will? I'd probably say no, but I don't think the defense has been performing as badly as people want to make out. But hey, at least on the offensive side of the ball, they're dropping 41 points. Gronk looks incredible. Bennett looks healthy. You know, everyone everyone's just clicking on offense right now. Marcus Cannon hasn't allowed a sack in three weeks, so barely a QB hit in the past couple of weeks. So nice to see Dante Skarnecchia turning his career around and putting him on the right track. He kind of got a little lost in there the past uh, couple games ago. But ever since, uh, I think it was the game against... Was it the Browns that he's been really good? No, the game against the uh, the uh, the Steelers and then the Bills game. He has performed very well. So it's nice to see Marcus Canning at Marcus Cannon, excuse me, adding some quality to this offensive line. So looking ahead, you know, before we welcome in Mike Nice and Michael Longi for the rest of the episode, looking ahead. What do the Patriots have on their schedule? Well, we talk about it a lot with the guys when they come up, but you know they have the Seahawks coming off the bye, Sunday Night Football. Then they go at 49ers, at Jets, home versus the Rams, home versus the Ravens, at Broncos, home versus the Jets, and then at the Miami Dolphins to end the season. To be totally honest, this Patriots team should win at least 13 games. I think 13-3 and is a pretty fair assessment for what the rest of their season is going to look like. 14-2 and is, I think, a little bit aggressive, and 15-1 is if they just, you know, blow the entire NFL away. The defense comes off of the bye with this Jamie Collins trade with a fire on their butts just going off, and Tom Brady continues his role to 4,000 yards in only 12 games with, like, 40 touchdowns. So that's what's going to happen if they want to get to 15-1. I don't think it's very realistic. I think 14-2, 13-3 is a little bit better, but again, 14-2, 13-3 in a season like this is going to get you that top seed in the AFC as we talk about with Mike and Meg when they come on. But it should be an interesting rest of the season now that Jamie Collins is gone. So what, are this, what does this mean for the Patriots defense? And we'll get into this uh, before we welcome in the guys. 
So what does this mean for the Patriots defense now that Jamie Collins is gone? Well, what this means is that they are going to be entrusting a lot of responsibility in their linebacking depth. That is Barkevius Mingo, that is Alandon Roberts, and that is now the newly traded for Kyle Van Noy. So they are going to be relied on a lot to... You know, at run defense, pass coverage out of the backfield, and a little pass rush. And I think that they are all individually capable of doing those things. I don't think necessarily they are all the best at those things in the way that Collins was. But at the same time, they are talented players. They should make a decent impact. And I think uh, it's going to be exciting to see what Atlanta Roberts can do with a full-time starting position. It also means that Dante Hightower is going to have to step up in a big kind of way to be the big-time leader of this defense. I think that's one of the bigger points of this trade is to give Dante Hightower the keys to this defense. This defense will now go by the beat that he bangs on this drum. So we will. it will be interesting to see if Dante Hightower can step up to the plate as a defensive leader as well as a playmaker. I also think this puts a little bit more on Devin McCourty to be a leader on the field as well. I'm not, again, this isn't a survival thing. It just seems like they've been a little bit quiet in communication. They don't really have the same swagger that we saw them have last year. So maybe changing leadership around can kind of, you know, what, what voices are being heard in the locker room, maybe that can fix things a little bit. But besides that, this basically changes the, I think it makes the defense a little bit more predictable. But at the same time, I think predictability might be the best thing for this defense right now on their side of things. I think they might have tried to get a little bit too complex with that 5-2 defense. I don't think they've had enough time or they didn't have enough time to really install it and have it be and you will go from a big change on defense last year to big change on defense this year I don't think they stuck around with it long enough to really push forward with it towards the end of the season but again I'm no defensive coordinator and maybe they'll try to get back to the basics now that Collins is gone but with that being said, let's take a quick commercial break, quick little segment and monologue for me. I really want to get both mics on here to get their uh, to get their thoughts on the different Patriots things of the week. So without further ado, let's take a quick commercial break. And when we return, Mike and Mike will join me to talk a little bit of Patriots news from this week. So stay tuned. Are you sick of buying off-the-rack suits but are worried about spending too much on a fitted one? It's a shame because every man looks better in a suit. Indochino is the place for you. They make made-to-measure suits and shirts that fit you perfectly at an incredible price. They only use the finest fabrics, and you get to customize the details you want, including your lining, lapels, personal monogram, and more. So how does it work? Go and visit their Boston showroom at 85 Newberry Street. Pick from dozens of fabrics, colors, and patterns. Choose all of your custom whether it's your lining, your lapel, and more. Get measured by a style guide, kick back, relax, and get ready to step into a perfectly fitting suit in just four weeks. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $389 when you mention code PATRIOTS at the Boston Indochino showroom. $800 made-to-measure suit for only $389. That's over 50% off. So go book your Boston showroom appointment at Indochino.com. Go to Indochino.com to book your appointment at their Boston showroom. And again, get any premium suit for just $389. When you mention code PATRIOTS, you won't beat this deal anywhere. So go out and get your suit today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Patriots Beat. We have a little bit of a different feature guest segment this week. I am glad to welcome in Mike Alonji and Mike Nice from the rest of the CLNS Patriots team. Guys, a little midseason wrap-up for the bye week. How are we feeling today? Pretty good. 
Can't complain at all, man. Can't complain. A week off from the Patriots. A little mad, but at the same time, let the guys rest up for the next game. Yeah, you know, you got got to give the voice a little uh, a little a chance to uh, catch back up with everything that's going on. But let, let's let's drop right into this, guys. You know, this has been one of the one of the craziest weeks in recent memory for the Patriots, dating all the way back to oh no, week four when they lost to the Bills. So. You know, no Jamie Collins, now to the Cleveland Browns. Kind of give me your guys' overview now that we've had a couple days to kind of review this trade. What are you guys thinking? What are you guys feeling? I'm still lost. I'm still lost, Harris. I'm still looking for a valid reason, a valid explanation as to why the Patriots uh, found the need to make this move. I'm confused. I mean, I know all the, you know, the, the reporters and the inside guys will come on and say the Patriots made this move for, you know, salary reasons and whatnot, this and that with Jamie Collins, maybe his his play is dropping off. I don't know. But in my personal opinion, I didn't feel that this move was necessary, especially at this point in time in the season. And especially when you have a team that, that looks like they're making a run to possibly another Super Bowl appearance. I don't feel like the Patriots should have made this move. And you can you can hear from what the, a couple of the players have been saying uh, just when asked about the trade. They're, they're shocked. They're confused. Even the great Tom Brady himself came out and was like, I was pretty surprised with this move. And it, it, it's just the Patriots way, I guess, you know, even like I said, Brady came out and said, you know, maybe one day he could be moved. I'm just confused. I'm still looking for a good reason. Uh, it's, it's just a confusing time. <laughs> this seems to be one of those just trust and Belichick reasons. But uh, Alonji, what, what, what have you been seeing with this? We talked about this for the uh, emergency pod uh, on Tuesday, I believe, or Monday when a trade happened. Any more thoughts since then? Well, I mean, I think we've gotten a little bit more of enlightenment from kind of everybody. Like like Mike just said, you know, we heard from the teammates who were kind of surprised that, that such a great player would get traded. So I know, you know, I know me and you were talking about on Monday that, well, maybe he wasn't going with the system. We heard the things about the freelancing and whatnot. And apparently that's not what it would be. Well, maybe it is. I mean, we still don't know because the players aren't going to come out and say, oh, yeah, he's just not following the system. He was just, you know, they're not going to come out and say that. They're going to say, hey, he was a great teammate, he was a great player, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know how much stock you can take in that. And then at the same time, in that same breath, you got the coaches, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, linebackers coach, saying the same thing. Hey, no, the guy was a great player, great teammate, did all the things he was supposed to do. And I guess that just leaves you with, with the contract, right? But then at the same time, Jamie Collins himself said yesterday, hey, I never asked for Von Miller money. That that never happened. You know what I mean? So I'm, re- I'm still confused. I'm with you guys. I, I really don't know what's going on. I th- I think we're kind of you know one of the things I really don't enjoy about this before I get to my previous point I don't like how all of a sudden you know Mike Lombardi and the rest of these guys have made this all about oh Jamie Collins is is you know he takes plays off he's lazy he's not actually having that good of a season and this and that but you know we've never heard any problems with Jamie Collins ever with effort issues or leadership problems and now all of a sudden he gets traded and that's the primary reason I think we can all just chalk this up to okay you know there is a little miscommunication with contracts 
Collins might not want it to be here anymore because he was angry. He seems happy to be in Cleveland. He never really seemed to be a team first guy anyway. That's fine. There are players like that out there. They moved on. And now we're left with Elena Roberts, Kyle Van Noy, and Mingo. I, I think that's just what it is. I don't think it had anything to do with Jamie Collins taking plays off. I just We've never heard anything like that or any time in, throughout this season until last week. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I mean, one thing I think that will always remain with the Patriots, in my opinion, that I've just felt this way about the organization over the years that I've been following the team, is the Patriots – are a little cheap a when it comes to spending money. It's a business. All the players are kind of on the same page where, hey, I think that definitely has something to do with it. I think the Patriots are just a little cheap when it comes to spending money. Definitely for sure. I agree. And you have you have guys who have come and gone. I still go back, and one, one player that still bothers me to this point in time is just the fact that how – the Randy Moss situation fell apart. In my opinion, he had another good two or three years playing uh, with the Patriots and Tom Brady. We saw how good he was in his time here. And just the way that that ended with him getting traded to, I think, who, who they traded him to, to Tennessee Titans, I, I remember correctly. Something like yep. that. I th- it was just an unfortunate way, and I hated that and how it ended. And then people look at uh, people look at uh, Randy Moss saying, well, he's asking for this and that amount of money. Sometimes... The Patriots just don't want to pay the talent. If it's not on their terms and how they want to do things, Patriots are quick to move on. But at the same time, when you say that, and here, who am I to say the Patriots are cheap and they don't like spending money, when at the end of every season, the Patriots are playing in the AFC Championship game or Super Bowl pretty much in their division. So it makes people like me sound stupid because when they make these moves and get rid of a Randy Moss or Jamie Collins, where the list of names goes on over the, over the years, but the Patriots are still one of the most successful teams in, in NFL history, especially over the last you know fifteen years. It it bothers me that you know not even so much the amount of money that they're keeping from these guys. I have a problem because I think we lost Alonji. We'll get him back in a second. I have a problem with the fact that they keep getting rid of leaders. You know, they keep getting rid of guys that you know are important to the locker room. That you know are just. You know, these big-time defensive leaders, especially, you know, they got rid of McGinnis. They got rid of Vince Wilfork. They got rid of Chandler Jones. Now they get rid of Jamie Collins. I mean, eventually it's just, you know, it's going to hit the fan and you're going to lose too many leaders for your team to recuperate. So it has a lot to do with drafting, but, you know, it's just it's too many voices to lose in the locker room. But, I mean, like, like you said, Mike, they just keep coming back from this. So what do we know? What do we know? What can we say? They find a way to they lose Chayla Jones. The list goes on of the guys you just named. They lose these guys. But as the season rolls on, they you know it's the next man up mentality in the Patriots mindset. They don't care who they trade or who they let walk away or who they release. It doesn't matter to them. They feel like they have the system in place, the coaching staff, in order to have the most successful and productive seasons year in and year out. Mm-hmm. So as much as we harp on, you know, why do they let this guy go? Why do they trade this guy? Why don't they pay this guy? <laughs> the Patriots are always sitting at the top of the mountain most of the time. Right. Or one of the top teams at the end of every season. Alonji, you and got see, that's else? where I'm stuck. There you go. Uh, sorry, Harris. That's where I'm stuck is because, like, you know, there is – every single time Bill Belichick makes a decision like this, if we go all the way back. I know Richard Seymour had, I think, a Pro Bowl season or two after he was traded to Oakland. But if you go back, you know, Lawyer Malloy – 
wasn't the same after he was after he was uh, let go. Richard Seymour, you know, got the most out of him while you could. Darrell Rivas, more recently, I mean, look at Darrell Rivas now is not even a shell of himself. He's he's nothing out there on the field anymore. Sad. So, you know, Logan Mankins, not the same. If I mean, me and Harris don't even know if he's still in the league right now. So I mean, <laughs> it's just like things like that. Like every single time he makes a move like this, and we're all going, "What is he doing? What is he thinking? How can you get rid of this guy?" Every single time he comes up aces. So I mean, how how can you really question him at this point? It's tough. It's hard to. It the is. only situation yeah. where I see that's backfired a little bit is with Chandler Jones and the seasons he's yes. having so far for the Arizona Cardinals. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but, but again, but again, guys, as we know, as people who watch the Patriots and cover them pretty consistently, you know, he just this is Chandler Jones's you know bio at this point. Have a great first half of the season. He has what like. 10 sacks through eight games or something. And then, yeah. you know, the second half of the season comes around, he teeters off, and then the playoffs, there's nothing. So, I mean, I hope he stays consistent and proves me wrong and gets that money. But at this point, you know, through eight weeks, this is kind of the, the Chandler Jones we usually see through eight weeks. It's the other eight weeks or other 10 weeks or 11 weeks, I should say, that we usually have the problems with him. But moving on from the players, guys, let's let's get into more of the, the team that we have right now. So, you know, we've had people crapping on this defense for weeks now, saying, oh, it, it doesn't impose its will, it's not dominating, even going so far as saying it's one of the worst in the NFL. But as I say every week on the show, I look up at the scoreboard and I see most of the time under 20 points. But again, you know, people aren't satisfied. What? Why? What do you think the proper reaction should be to the Patriots' defense through the first eight weeks of the season? I think this is the reaction, man. I think that we've seen it for years. I think that fans hate Ben Don't Break. Fans hate it. And, you know, I hate it. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I hate to watch <laughs> hate watching teams just roll down the field and and then they get to the end. And, sure, it's great when they don't score or they get held to a field goal. That's great. It's just, you know – from a fan point of view, you're just like your heart's pounding the whole time. You're on the edge of your seat saying, oh, my God, are they really going to give up this this touchdown? Are they really going to give up this field goal? And then all of a sudden you go down there and Patriots all of a sudden come out with some, you know, great turnover or they hold them to a field goal or they, you know, block a kick or some, something crazy happens. And then everyone says, well, they only gave up 16 points. They only gave up 14 points. You know what I mean? So I think this is just kind of the nature of – the bend but don't break defense. You're going to have people who absolutely hate watching it and hate seeing it and complain about it every single week. But then at the same time, they're saying, hey, well, at least we won. <laughs> I'm with the laundry 100%, 100%. I hate the bend but not break mentality. My thing is, you look at teams across the NFL, you have teams that constantly sack and get after the quarterback. You have teams that constantly force, force turnovers, fumbles, whatever the case may be. The Patriots don't do any of that. Yeah, we talk about them not giving up a lot of points, and that's true. That's true. So as much as you hate what they're doing, at the end of the day, it's only 16, 17 points that they're giving up. But as fans, you want to see, you know, these linebackers, uh, Hightower, uh, Nikovic, you want to see Shaw, uh, Jabal Shea, you want to see these guys knock out the quarterbacks. We can, I'm sick of seeing guys like Tyrod Taylor or, or Ryan Tannehill, these these no not no name quarterbacks, but what the the lower tier quarterbacks in the league make easy, you know, wide open plays. I feel like at the end of the games, they can easily just wear the same jersey that they wore in the game against the Patriots because they never get touched. Huh. 
that's <laughs> that's my thing with the Patriots. I hate what they have, no pass rush. But at the end of the day, once again, who am I to say anything when the Patriots, uh, last time I checked, I don't remember which week was, but they were top, like, five in the league in terms of points allowed per game. So as much as we harp on this defense, is, is so it, it just gives us headaches and whatnot. You can still kind of say they're possibly one of the best defensive teams in the league because at the end of the day, it's about making the other team not score points, and the Patriots are one of the top teams in the NFL at doing that. You know, one of the things that I, I like looking at when I look at this defense, you know, they, they haven't really played a big-time offense yet either. You know, if you look at their past schedule, the only person that they've really come close to in terms of, you know, a high-powered offense was the was the Steelers game. And they didn't even have Ben Roethlisberger. But, I mean, you look at the rest of their schedule this year after the bye. Seahawks, 49ers, Jets twice, Rams, Ravens, Broncos, Dolphins. There's no offense mm-hmm. in there that's going to yeah, blow anybody out. <laughs> like the, the, even looking at the AFC playoff picture, like you know the the Raiders at the two seed are the only team that I'm going to look at and be like, wow, that's a good offense. Like you have the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Texans, and the Steelers, and then in the playoff hunt you have the Titans and the Bills. Like yeah. you know what what offense? It, this is kind of the nature <laughs> of the NFL this year. There is no offense or offenses in any conference that you just look at and you go, whoo, holy cow, look at them go. The only people I can think of are maybe the Falcons, maybe the Cowboys. Like, even the Raiders are pretty – the Raiders have no run game. They can't run yeah. the ball. So, and, you know, the Falcons haven't proven to me that they can even throw the football outside. You know yeah. what I mean? They play in that dome and, and they do great. But once they go outside and travel on the road, they're not they're not the same team. So that's a question mark there. Typical. I think the only team you can really go with is Pittsburgh at this point with Ben Roethlisberger back in the playoffs. I think that would be a point in time where, yeah, you probably have to worry a little bit about that offense. And then, like you said, at, at, uh, Oakland can't run the football, but they can sure throw that damn thing. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you what. Pittsburgh's the only team I fear, and I honestly feel like that week when the Patriots faced them and Ben Roethlisberger sat out, I felt that the Patriots got away with one because Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. wasn't on the field. In my opinion, if he played, that probably would have been probably, you know, Patriots' toughest game on the season and possibly led to a loss because if there's one team that I fear, especially just looking in the AFC, it's a fully healthy Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. Those guys make big-time plays week in and week out, especially when Ben Roethlisberger is behind center. So if there's one matchup we might be looking forward to later on in the season and come playoff times, possibly an, an AFC Championship game, it could be those same Pittsburgh Steelers in that high-powered offense. It, it's so interesting. Uh, again, you know, you look around the NFL, and even the Steelers who have a high-powered offense. I mean, you look at their defense, and it's just yeah. it's just crap. And so yeah. you know, there, there's no team. There's this interesting article on Football Outsiders. It was talking about how no team in the NFL this year is transcendent or is even good on both offense and defense. The Cowboys aren't a very good defensive team. The Patriots, I suppose, in theory, aren't a good defensive team this year. The Raiders uh, can't run the ball and are pretty iffy on their pass defense. You know, just every playoff team in the AFC has some massive hole that can be exploited. So it, it creates this ultra-competitive 
playoff race where everyone that's not the New England Patriots is just killing each other. I mean, there are more teams this year that are four and three, three and four, four and four than than I've ever seen before. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, if you look at the NFL as a whole, I mean, us, the three of us here, we cover the Patriots especially. But if you really take, if not even being a Patriots fan or covering the team, just looking at the Patriots from the outside, looking in, is there a better option or choice as to who might represent the AFC in the, in, in the, in the, in the Super Bowl? Because, I mean, if you look at the team and all the teams you just listed, Oakland doesn't really have a run game. Uh, Steelers don't really have a defense. We just spoke about the Patriots' bed-but-not-break mentality, them being one of the top teams in the league who don't give up a lot of points. And we already know what this offense is capable of with Tom Brady, uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski, and the rest of those guys. What? Who's really challenging them in terms of being a representative of the AFC in the in the Super Bowl? I don't see a challenger really stepping up, other than maybe the Steelers, just because their 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 offense, but their defense. The Patriots will run right through them, just like they did uh, a couple weeks ago. We mentioned the fully healthy Pittsburgh Steelers, and when I'm thinking fully healthy, I'm also thinking on the defensive side of the ball. Because guys, I mean that Ryan Shazier, the linebacker they got, that dude is a good player. He's he is so a fast. good football player and you know but he's hurt all the time he's hurt all the time if he can stay healthy they got that other linebacker what is is um timmons um, still there he's a great player so i mean they're, they're they're definitely iffy in the secondary that's for sure there's definitely no troy palomalo there's no ryan clark there's none of those guys back there so they're iffy there but i mean their front line is always stout they've always got the big boys up front and if those two linebackers can fly around and make plays mm. you know some things could happen yeah, And then uh, on the other side of the ball, you're talking about Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger back. I'm thinking if they hit the playoffs, because, I mean, they probably don't even need Roethlisberger the rest of the way to make it to the playoffs. Probably. With the, you know, the crappy division they play in yep. and the AFC as a whole not very good. But if they make it to the playoffs and you got Roethlisberger fully healthy, Le'Veon Bell is hitting his stride, Antonio Brown, one of the best receivers in football, I mean, that, that could be a problem. This Sammy Coates as a deep threat, we all know that the Patriots have real issues covering deep Deep threat wide receivers, big big wide receivers, big body Definitely. wide receivers. So, I mean, they could really pose a potential problem if you see them, which probably wouldn't be until, what, the AFC Championship game? And About then it's that. for all the marbles. Yeah, you know, I I, I tend to disagree uh, with you there, Alonjo, on the Patriots having a tough time covering deep down the field guys. They did a good job against Coach. My biggest problem was actually when they cover guys like Antonio Brown they like or, or Jarvis Landry. They have problems with small, fast guys, which is ironic, seeing as that's all that the Patriots defense practices against <laughs> all the time. So I don't understand how this is still a problem. But, you know, they, you know I, I, just to that real quick, I would chalk this up to – you just mentioned two of the best receivers in football, Very Jarvis true. Landry and Antonio Brown. You know what I mean? I just think that when you go up against those guys, I mean, you're going to have problems no matter who you got. So, what? I mean, that, I would just say that to that. But I, I definitely – I can see where you're coming from with mm-hmm. uh, with the the short, quick routes. They, they have oh, – Logan Ryan especially. Oof. Wolf. Yeah. I can't stand that guy. And you know what? It, it, I've realized why no one believes me when I say that Malcolm Butler has been one of the three best corners in football because he has – the reason is because whenever anyone watches the Patriots' defense, they just see the secondary get picked apart, not realizing that the Patriots' number two corner is just incredibly deficient at this point, and they don't even throw to Malcolm Butler's side of the field anymore. He gets like four targets a game because there's no point of even throwing at him. He's the only good corner on the field. Just throw it away from him and McCourty. 
I give Malcolm Butler credit for what he's done throughout the course of the season. And a lot of that, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, probably goes to show you with them getting rid of Collins, yeah. they're probably going to end up paying Butler and probably Hightower at the end of the season. But, yeah, we said but what you're saying, um, I agree. You know, Malcolm Butler is definitely one of the top corners in the league, and he's having another phenomenal season. And, I mean, coming out of last season, you know, a lot of people were questioning, should he should he get the contract that, you know, he probably deserves? In my opinion, I was thinking the Patriots are probably holding off just to say, let's see what he does this yep. year before we really see if this is the guy that we can really say this is our number one cornerback and this is who we're going to roll with for the foreseeable future. And I feel like through these first eight weeks, he's really proving and showing that last year wasn't a fluke and he's really here to stay and be a solid guy. And I think the Patriots are going to make sure that they invest in their future with him, especially when the offseason rolls around. He's also, you know, we're now at the halfway point of the season. So yeah. like you can legitimately start talking about, you know, pro bowl candidates and stuff like that. Is there any question that Malcolm Butler is going to go back to the pro bowl this year? Not at I don't all. think so. Not at all. I mean, that's, so, I mean, Ma- Harris, you're absolutely right. This is, this, he is turning into one of the best cornerbacks in football. If he's not already the, one of the best mm-hmm. and, there's only going up from here. He's a restricted free agent at the, you know, at the end of the season. That means that other teams can start sending him offer sheets. So, right. like, a team could come in and scoop him up out of nowhere. I think the Patriots might have to lock this up this season, along with Hightower, obviously, who will be unrestricted. He's, he's also, Malcolm Butler is saying this, he's also Bill Belichick's ultimate middle finger to all the draft nicks on Twitter because they've, all, they've been getting on him for years about his inability to draft corners, and all of a sudden he just goes, all right, screw you guys. I'm just going to find <laughs> this undrafted free agent from western, north, south, eastern Alabama and throw him out there and going to win a Super Bowl. So... You know, it's good to see Malcolm Butler still succeeding. But last topic, guys, before we let you get out of here. So the big topic outside of Jamie Collins around the Patriots right now is can Tom Brady be the MVP of the NFL by only playing 12 weeks? Now, his he just won Offensive Player of the Month in October. Who knows what he would have done in September against uh, you know Arizona, Houston, Miami, and Buffalo. But he owned in October, 12 touchdowns to no interceptions, over 1,100 yards passing, one of the best completion, I think the best completion percentage in football right now, number one quarterback for pro football focus. He is smoking people right now. So I ask you, do you think that by week by the end of the season, Tom Brady should win the MVP? Woof. I mean, I think there's no question about it that he should definitely be in the conversation. If people are looking at the MVP race now and they don't have Tom Brady in the conversation, they're just haters at this point. Like you're just not giving respect to uh, and credit uh, where it's due. And I feel like to criticize and take Tom Brady out of the race, the MVP race, just because he missed uh, the first four seasons, you have a bigger problem with Brady than, than you're leading on to. The way he's performed since he's been back, you're talking about a guy who stepped up and he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't returned and, and had subpar performances. This guy is winning AFC player of the week and then AFC player of the month like he's put on a hell of a performance. And there's no reason to suggest that he might be slowing down. You guys listed the next couple of opponents coming up. And, I mean, after the Seahawks, who still have a solid defense, there's no reason why Tom Brady can't go out week in and week out and put up 
300 plus yards and three touchdowns a game, especially with the offensive weapons that he has. I don't even want to know what he's going to do in San Francisco <laughs> in a couple weeks. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And we're talking about Tom Brady and this offense. It's going to be bad against the majority of teams that remain on the schedule. So I feel like, you know, by the time the season is done, Tom Brady will be top five in a lot of the categories for quarterbacks across the NFL. And and if you really want to get down to it, if you didn't miss those four games, who isn't to say he's not leading the leading passing yards? Who isn't to say he's not leading the lead in, in passing touchdowns? He hasn't thrown an interception in, what's this, five, six games now that he's played? Uh, if you If you don't have Tom Brady in the MVP race, you're a bigger hater than you're leading on to. That's just what it boils down to me. Uh, here's here's my thoughts on it. it. I was looking at the stats the other day through through four games, obviously, and I just kind of was like, all right, well, let's project them forward because people just you know want to think, well, at the end of the season, blah blah blah. Let's project them forward. All right, so you you say, okay, he's right now he's thrown for one thousand three hundred nineteen yards. If we project that forward, if he stays at this current rate, he'll be at just about, if not a little bit over four thousand yards on the year. Twelve touchdowns, oh. so a little bit. He'll, he'll be about four thousand yards. Let's say thirty six touchdowns. And I'll even give him because he's got no picks yet this year. I'll even give him, you know, two or three interceptions on the season. I'll give I'll give him five if we're being nice. All right, if we're being <laughs> nice, I'll give him five then. So we'll say thirty six touchdowns, five picks, four thousand yards, and he's completing right now. He's completing seventy three point one percent of his passes. So let's be nice and say he's going to complete. 71% of his passes. That season sounds pretty similar to 2010, if yeah, you Yeah, that me. sounds like the season where he set the NFL record for, you know, highest uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio. I think that was, broken, that was broken by Nick Foles, though, which was, you know, ridiculous. But, but you know, and, if we look yeah. at it, the, the QBR will be, you know, through the roof at, at that point. And the Patriots, we've, we've talked about the schedule a couple times here. I mean, there's a very decent chance that they could run the table the rest of the way. Yep. And even if they don't, let's say they, if they finish 14-2 and two or 15-1 and one, and Brady's thrown for 4,000 yards, 36 touchdowns, 71% completion in 12 games, you're not going to give him MVP? Really? And who else is going to win it? I mean, at this point, the only, the only current MVP candidates in the NFL are like Derek Carr... Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, Ezekiel Elliott as a possible choice if he continues on Zeke, his run too. Zeke's been nuts. But I'll, I'll tell you what though, Zeke is going to hit a wall because they are running him into the ground over there in in Dallas. I personally think I know he wants the ball, he wants to get fed, but I think they're pushing a little too hard. Same thing with Demarco Murray a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I think they might be pushing him a little too hard. And, and then Matt Ryan, he'll fall. I personally, I mean, I'm not. I yeah, he'll I'm not a believer fall. in Atlanta <laughs> right now. I think that they are going downhill fast. And you know, Derek Carr, Oakland. You know, th- he's not going to win MVP this year. You know what so, I mean? So I just think I think it's Brady a bust at this point. If he continues so, his pace, how can you not? Those th- those two quarterbacks that you just named, and then Roethlisberger, if he comes back with his offense, after those guys and Ezekiel Elliott, you named him too. After those guys, who is really in the conversation as as having an MVP at type all? Of season? Like who is? It's not the much. Hell, there isn't it's anybody. Not much. <laughs> I, I you know, even even looking at you know the the usual suspects, which would be like Aaron Rodgers or like Drew Brees or something. Like they're not even having you know big time seasons. Like Matt Stafford, it just it it goes to show that this year in the NFL has been weirdly weak in a way that just the like, the players have been good. It's just the stats as a total have been down. We we haven't seen you know we're not going to get a five thousand yard. 
year from Drew Brees this year. We're not going to get some crazy touchdown numbers from Aaron Rodgers. It, it's just not there. There's no Peyton Manning. So you look around the NFL, you say, all right, who are our legends this year? Who's a guy that's, you know, roasting the NFL, putting up career numbers? I mean, the only guy is Tom Brady. It, he's the and only he, one. And he's going to have a better season at the end of the year than some quarterbacks who play from week one to week to week 16. Yeah. He's going to he's going to be better than a lot of quarterbacks in this league. And if that right there, along with all the other facts that you could list as to why he should be in the conversation, if that right there doesn't tell you when you look at week week 16 and you look at how Tom Brady's stats compare to to a Ryan Tannehill or a Jameis Winston or a, a, whatever other quarterbacks in the league. Andrew Luck. You know, these guys, Tom Brady is going to have better stats than them, probably most likely in a lot of categories at the end of the year. And, and at the end of the day, guys, I mean, it all, it'll all come down. If it's really that close of an MVP race, it'll all come down to pedigree. It'll all come down to, you know, history. It'll all come down to, you know, all that reputation. And Tom Brady, I think, is the guy at this point. I really do. I don't, I don't buy the whole, well, I mean, he missed four games. You guys heard, it was, uh, I believe it was Max Kellerman on first take was saying, you know, he missed four games, too. he's automatically disqualified. He's disqualified because he missed four games. I mean, come on. What if he missed, you know, the second game of the year and then the eighth game of the year and then the twelfth game of the year? and then, You know what I mean? What if he missed them scattered apart? Is it because he was suspended? Like, even like, it, it's more impressive if he misses those four games – and, and it still has a fantastic year. And throws for four thousand. If you can throw for four thousand yards in twelve games, you, gosh darn it, you deserve an MVP. <laughs> Thank you. And you know that. Then that, also, weirdly enough, that actually uh, projects out to to close to five thousand yards and fo- over forty touchdowns if he plays a full sixteen game season. So obviously, we're not in the same NFL that we were when people were throwing fifty touchdowns a year with five thousand yards, whatever. But very clear that I think Brady would have put up those kind of crazy numbers if so. Looking like it, looking like it for sure. So, guys, any final notes before we let you guys get out of here? What do you guys think we're going to see for the uh, next half of the season? Nothing but more dominance from the Patriots, and I mean, it sounds like you're, we're just homers. We're just huge Patriots fans. But if you really look at this team compared to the rest of the NFL, they're just in a class of their own. The way their coaches go about things, the way they play offensively, the the defense, as much as we complain about it, they're one of the top teams in the, in the NFL in terms of letting up points. The Patriots just get it done in all facets of the game. I mean, they might have slips and lapses here and there because, I mean, it, it can just happen. But at the end of the day, especially when you look at this, this schedule – I personally feel like they have a very good chance of running the table and just being dominant for the rest of the year. And here in New England, Patriots fans, wherever they are, they're just going to get ready for another you know, postseason run and hope for the best and look for Tom Brady to really separate himself because people still want to debate whether he's the GOAT or not. We'll look for Tom Brady to probably separate himself at the end of this season. And, you know, for me, everything that Mike just said, 100% accurate. I mean, they are right now – even with the defense having its issues that it's having, these guys are just clicking right now. I mean, they just win. They win situations. That's a huge thing. It's obviously Bill Belichick is a, is a big part of it. They win situationally, and they're the best team in the league at it. Now, granted, they have been giving up the football. I saw a stat the other day on Twitter. Um, I think they've got the second most or most fumbles in the league this year, which is just a total far cry yeah. wow. from from when from the Belichick teams have passed. So you've got to think that that's going to come down to come back down to earth a little bit. Let's not forget that Deion Lewis hasn't even been on the field yet. 
<laughs> I mean, really, guys, this is – they're going to keep going. They're going to yeah. keep going. And, you know, like I said, we've talked about the schedule. Again, the, once they get past Seattle, I mean, who else really is there? I think the Rams, you know, the Rams, I'll, I'll be honest, I have them on my fantasy team for my, for my defense. And they've been doing pretty well fantasy points-wise. Mm-hmm. But they still give up a lot of real points. And it's, you know, so they might give you a little bit of a run, but they obviously have no offense besides Todd Gurley, who will be shut down by Bill Belichick's system. So I'm really not seeing any reason why they can't run the table. I'm, I'm, I think they'll lose a game because, I mean, this is the NFL, and they'll probably lose another game here. So, I, But 14-2, and two, I think is they're right on the path to 14-2. and two. I say they lose two more games. I think they, they're going to lose one more divisional game just because – they they just do. It'll be like a weird. It'll be like the weird last game on New Year's Day against the Dolphins <laughs> or something when they're not playing Brady. Or maybe they'll lose in Denver because for some reason they still can't win in Denver. But yeah, you know, just I I, I agree, guys. You know, the, this second half of the schedule should be pretty. Uh, should be a pretty you know easy trip for this Patriots team home against Seattle. You know that that's a pretty winnable game, especially with a hobbled Russell Wilson. There, if you want a game to get your pass rush back in order, it's against the Seattle Seahawks, who I think have the worst offensive line in the NFL right now, behind maybe only the 49ers, who they play the week after. So, <laughs> th- this this Patriots team to me is just kind of like, like Mike said or uh, Mike Knight said, just a league in their own right now. They just don't really have a a challenger in the AFC. It may be the Broncos if they can get their offense, you know, back running. But with no C.J. Anderson for the rest of the year and putting everything on newly drafted Devontae Booker, I, I don't know. I, I just don't really see another championship contender in this conference right now. True, man, true. That's it. The Patriots, like you said, League of their own, class of their own. It's going to be a, a good season to watch of continued Patriots dominance, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, yeah, we're just going to have to ride with it, man, and see how far they can take it. Absolutely. Well, guys, Mike Nice, Mike Alonji, thank you guys as the CLNS Patriots team for joining us on Patriots Beat this week. You can catch Mike, or both Mikes, I should say, on the Patriots post-game show after every Patriots game. You guys will be up. Uh, will you guys? Are you guys going to be broadcasting after the Seahawks game late that night? I yes, think sir. we will. Uh, myself, Michael Longi, and along with DJ Mees, he'll be there as well. We'll be there right after the Patriots Seahawks game for sure. Perfect, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you guys, uh, the rest of your weekends are good. Enjoy the bye. All right, Thanks, man. Harris. Thanks a lot, Harris. Take it easy. See ya. It is now time for the Patriots beat pick. Of the week. A lot of interesting games going on this week. No Patriots for you guys. But I'm going to go with a, a little bit of an interesting line here. So Pittsburgh is playing Baltimore in Baltimore. The line is currently even uh, on the point spread and the money line. We don't really know if Big Ben's going to actually be playing this weekend. But to be totally honest, I am not a believer in all in this Baltimore team. I think Pittsburgh's probably going to walk in there and still beat them. And if the point spread's even, I think that's an easy take. So go with the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Baltimore Ravens this week. Also, another reminder, guys, go listen to the Pats postgame show. They won't have one this week because obviously it's a buy. But again, call in at 929-477-2386. You can listen live on clnsradio.com. But that's going to do it for today's Patriots Beat Podcast. If you want to help support the show, please give us a subscription rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Today's show is presented to you by Indokino. 
Patriots.com. Use promo code Patriots for more than 50% off custom-made suits. Music was provided by eight, uh, Hyde 209 excuse me, and Joshua Morse. want to thank our guests, Michael Alonji and Mike Nice, from the Patriots post-game show. For Patriots content manager, Alonji, like I said, CLNS Radio, executive producer, Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in. This is Harris Rubenstein, and this is the Patriots B Podcast, powered by CLNS Radio. Go find me on Twitter, at Sports Dean, and we will see you guys next week.